Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst in a certain accent. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> you guys are real amused by this. <laughs> I don't think people understand the joy that Skype together mode brings me and Kenyon and how much Lucy hates it and how much Lucy that makes me hates love it. it. <laughs> I know. The fact that it does not amuse Lachelle even in the slightest makes it funnier. And I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I'm crying. Amanda's wearing like a little Jacques Cousteau you do look like Steve Zisu. You're so colorful. She's wearing like a red orange hat, bright orange headphones, blue hair, blue nails, yellow sweatshirt. You should go hunting. Peacocking, honey. Peacocking. I don't own a single one of those colors. No. You don't own a single color. Color. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Oh, this is the best day of my Wearing life. Head to toe black. <laughs> oh my black, god! Navy, more black. <laughs> it's my uniform. My underwear. Oh, black. <gasps> I'm not even wearing that. <laughs> oh, black. <laughs> okay. Woo. All right. Well, have we done the names? I don't no. know. I'm Kenyon. <laughs> I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. <laughs> and if you want to see this beautiful video, uh, go to our Patreon, Wine and Crime Podcast. At yeah. Patreon. I don't know. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Wine and Crime Podcast. Just fucking search it on Patreon. I have no idea what the URL is. <laughs> and you can watch our uh, episodes as videos. Mm-hmm. Annie. You will Ooh. not get together mode under the sea view, though. Sorry. No. We'll take screenshots of that. Oh, uh, yeah. You're not <laughs> missing much. You're missing <laughs> so much. All right. Take a screenshot right now. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we have a very special fan pick brought to you by an anonymous fan picker. Ooh. Um, I'm going to get to the topic real quick, and then we'll get to... Their shout out. So the topic is handwriting analysis. Yes. Yes. They let us choose whatever we wanted. And I I have been so fucking excited for this topic. I'm I'm so excited for this topic. And also, I cannot believe it took us this long to get to it. Mm -hmm. We've done like the fingerprint one, but I also cannot believe we hadn't done handwriting analysis. Because this was one of the like, First one, first ideas we thought on of. our spreadsheet. Yeah, a mm-hmm. hundred years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. So we finally were given the space to choose it, mm-hmm. and thank you very much, anonymous. And anonymous would like to bring attention to the Yavapi humane trappers. Yavapai. Okay. Yavapai humane. Oh, Yavapai. <laughs> Yavapai. I'll take yeah. the pie. Oh, Yavapai. Mm. Okay. <laughs> 
Yavapai Humane Trappers and Trackers, which is a small nonprofit group that tracks down, humanely traps, and rescues animals that are lost from home or strays that need help. Cool. Love, I love that. that. I love I, a stray that needs help. I follow them on Facebook now, and they have the most heartwarming update. Oh, Cute. God. So this person's sister lost her dog during a move. No, that is a nightmare. No, Mm. I'd lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the small dedicated team used every resource available and worked day and night to find her dog. And they are encouraging our listeners to check out this organization and consider donating to support them and their work saving animals in Arizona. That's awesome. I love that so much. And it's spelled Y-A-V-A-P-A-I, Yavapai. Yavapai, and the website is yavapaihumanetrappers.org. So cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good work. Check that out. That's amazing. Zach's parents had a neighbor who lost a dog for like two weeks or something. Ugh. Like they were all hanging out on their big property and somewhere in the distance, like a gun went off or like mm. a car backfired, some loud noise, and the dog just like bolted into the woods and they couldn't. Oh couldn't find him and um it was like terrible weather there was a big storm everything oh, no. and then like two weeks later somebody else found him pretty far away mm-hmm. and uh they were able to be reunited oh, that's, that's so amazing. nice i have yeah. a friend whose cat ran away they took they took the cat in their rv with them like camping mm-hmm. and the cat got spooked by something and ran away and it was gone for months And she was eventually found 90 miles from home or from where they lost the cat. That's unbelievable. They just got reunited. And my friend was featured on the news. Oh. That's exciting. Happiness. Yeah. I know. Love it. Anyway, what are we talking about? Or wait, we already talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. So handwriting analysis. So Amanda, give us our booze. What's our wine crime pairing? Well, since... We got to pick whatever we wanted for the episode. I decided to pick whatever I wanted for the wine. Yeah. So this is in no way related to handwriting analysis. Make it work. Find a link. (laughs) You have to. I'll find a way. I'll find a way. Okay. I had this wine and I've been sitting at it because I didn't have it. Didn't we do like a nudist crimes episode? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And I didn't have it then, and I've been sitting on this wine. I got it as a gift for my birthday mm-hmm. and wondering when to use it. And you know what? Today's as good a day as any to use it. It's the Send Nudes Rosé. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's use awesome. I use my hands to write, and my hands are nude. Uh, so, the handwriting, uh, it, the, the label it is handwritten. handwritten. And yeah. it has a handwritten note on the inside. And also the E's are very unique because they look like backwards threes. Totally. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. Kenyon found the link. Yes, we God analyzed bless. that one. There you go. So this says, our 2020 vintage of Send Nudes Rosé is bound to get you back in your birthday suit. <laughs> Made from 100% Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir, which is my second, maybe tied for my first favorite rosé varietal. I love a Pinot Noir rosé. Okay. The Wine and Crime Gals Rosé is a Pinot Noir Rosé. I it's do love that. so good. Mm-hmm. But I also love a Grenache Rosé. But this is a Pinot Noir Rosé. It's so good, so delicate. And this is, as you can see, a beautiful Sherbet Pink. 
and this rosé bursts at the seams with spring strawberry. And even though we are literally being snowed into our home right now, it's, I it's the last gasp of winter, yeah. maybe. I'm mm. I'm clinging. To Don't the, say that. That's a curse to the thought of spring. <laughs> well, didn't like the the official Groundhog for Groundhog's Day like die this year before yeah. Groundhog's Day? Yeah. And I saw all these memes that dead. are like, "What does it mean if it's dead?" <laughs> yeah. I can't now, see it. Now channel. we live in Narnia, and it's the winter white forever. witch is taking over. <laughs> Mister Tumnus says. The sun just <laughs> approaches the earth. It's like, we're done. That's the end of times. You're going to get strawberry, ripe peach, watermelon, white grapefruit. It's just going to be mm. absolutely gorgeous. She's 13.5% ABV and uh, yeah, 100% Pinot Noir. And this bottle retails for 20 bucks. So it's Ooh, a great deal. A little fancy, but but still mm-hmm. Yeah, affordable. but for like 100% Sonoma Pinot, that's, that's pretty... Pretty on on yeah. par, mm-hmm. and uh, I have my wine and crime gals iridescent wine key that I'm using to open this. Not a hair straightener, though. I have never been able to live down that moment in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we pop? Let's yeah. do it. Here we go. Oh, cute. the The cork has like a little lipstick kiss on it. Oh, oh. it's adorable. How cute is she? Okay, here we go. Oh, that was a nice pop. Pop Pop so hard it shook my left breast, and no, I'm not wearing a bra. Well, why would you? (laughs) Why would I? Yeah. The the freaking groundhog died. It's winter forever. I'm not putting on a bra. Mm hmm. Bra. Bra. So good. All right. Cheers. Cheers. I got my my Kim Crawford. Classic. And apparently, Kim is a man, but what is gender? Don't at me. Yeah, my she can still, be a man all she wants. Yeah, still my girl Kim. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. care if it's a man. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Lucy, oh. what is our background and hopefully psych for handwriting analysis? I'm so excited about I this. Know. I spent I can feel it a really long time just I'm reading about this, really which is why I had to push back. Too. I had to push back our start time by almost an hour. It's okay. It's fine. I love it when you or Amanda have to do that because then I'm not the one doing it, but I still Listen, get the time. I but find, sh- but I benefit. <laughs> If we right. start within an hour of the time we tried to start, that's on time. I, I think, think so. so, especially if nobody has has Stuff said, at night. yeah, you know, in advance, like I have a whatever happening. Mm-hmm. 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 Then I'm always good. Mm-hmm. It's a delay. All right. okay. okay, so bottom line, I'm fucking jazzed about this. Can't so this wait. is a description from FBI.gov, and also. Uh, I would say the majority of my notes came from the FBI's website because they have a really fantastic article. Very goes very in depth. Cool. Okay. Handwriting is a complex motor skill that is the combination of sensory, neurological, and physiological impulses. Factors such as visual perception and acuity, comprehension of form, central nervous system pathways, and the anatomy and physiology of the bones and muscles of the hand and arm all combined to produce the desired output. That's wow. So that m- makes a lot of sense for like why if you're right-handed, your left hand like basically cannot 
right function with it. yeah with any coherence yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so there's a lot a lot of factors going in here so once we as a human have mastered the skill of writing then our brains focus more on what we're writing rather than how we write it and our own individual characteristics kind of creep in and affect our individual handwriting hmm. i'll also note here we'll kind of talk about it but i do want to just say that handwriting is absolutely affected by our education. Mm-hmm. So when we go on, we're going to talk about graphology. Let's just keep in mind it's it's all gonna it's gonna be different for everybody. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't don't can't write anyway. So mm-hmm. and very um, like culturally specific, and also mm-hmm. I would think like time specific, like yes. old timey socialization mm-hmm. of handwriting. About to get to that right oh, now. Okay. <laughs> So something interesting to note is the evolution of copy books, which mm-hmm. are books used in nowadays in classrooms that have examples of handwriting and then below that blank spaces for students to copy it. They usually have like, you know, the dotted lines you follow yeah. along with. I t- we totally had those in elementary school. Mm-hmm. I fucking loved our copy books, mm-hmm. our little writing books. No surprise here. Hated that. <laughs> <laughs> Your handwriting is fucking manic bonkers. It is bonkers. <laughs> but it's I unique. Do, it's unique. I, I it's kind bonkers. of <laughs> love my handwriting. I love your handwriting too. It's very distinct. Mm-hmm. Except I hate it when I have to write like a thank you card or like a mm. birthday card where it's supposed to be more neat. Like mm-hmm. I love my handwriting when I'm just jotting down notes or whatever. I I think it looks funky and cool. But if it has to be like presentable. I can't mm-hmm. do that. You can't fake it either. Uh-uh. Yeah. I like inherited similar traits to my mother's handwriting. Your handwriting is very neat. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have pretty neat handwriting. Yeah. Which is weird for someone with ADHD, but uh-huh. we'll oh, actually no. get to our own handwriting oh, a yes. little bit later in my notes. Okay, okay, good. I was hoping this assignment you gave us would come into play. I only gave it to you. Oh, so I was we'll going to say, I didn't get an assignment, did I? Don't you worry failed. about it right you now. You failed. Okay. We'll get okay. to it. <laughs> okay. So copybooks. Loved my copybook. So the first one was published in the year 1540 by Giovanni Battista Palatino. Mm. And it was called New Book for Learning to Write. <laughs> okay. Riveting. Pretty straightforward. Yep. Love it. Early copy books also had instructions for stuff like cutting quills and mixing up your ink. Cool. Because they've been around for fucking ever, which I think is really cool. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So over the next few centuries, certain styles evolved. So some examples of that would be like English roundhand, black letter or German text, mm-hmm. uh, Italian secretary hand, which was encouraged for women. Ah, it's <laughs> for women. For women. Copper. It's just for women. <laughs> copper plate, calligraphy, and even a really unique idiosyncratic style that was used specifically in courtroom papers. Cool. So, so like, not lots like of different... shorthand, but like an actual handwriting style. A style, yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Really, really bizarre. More modern copy books are used to help students practice penmanship, spelling, reading comprehension, punctuation, and vocabulary. Sometimes in older copy books, sentences that you had to copy would be things like Bible verses because they thought that if you just repeated like something with like a moral 
point to it, it then that would like it'll like absorb in. it. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. It didn't. It just makes me think of Bart Simpson. Right. I know. I was just going to say. <laughs> a thousand percent. <laughs> totally. The first copy book in the United States was published in 1748, and it was called The American Instructor or Young Man's Best Companion. Wow. Why choose a title? Yeah. <laughs> when you can have two that don't make sense. <laughs> Young Man's Best Companion. Okay. <laughs> A subsequent copy book published in 1802 had a note from the author that reads, quote, this is this is my shit, you guys. A neat copy book has often laid the foundation or shown the first symptoms of taste in all the elegant arts of life. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, so things like copy books and like classroom learning to write gives us our style characteristics, whereas later we develop our individual characteristics, and that's our unique handwriting. A person who might be analyzing handwriting in a forensic capacity is called a forensic document examiner or a questioned document examiner. They might be looking for evidence of forgery, alteration, or if a sample document is available, handwriting or typing comparisons to rule out or determine authorship. So we don't always have a sample of like a suspect's mm -hmm. regular writing to compare something to. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's not always like, does this match? Sometimes it's literally just like, what traits do we think someone who wrote this might have? Absolutely. So you could possibly determine whether we're left-handed or right-handed, you know, depending on uh, the pressure of the pen, if they were maybe male or female, but all this is extremely subjective and I'll, I'll get a lot more into that. Quote, handwriting features that examiners evaluate include the size and slope of the writing, pen pressure, pen lifts, the spacing between words and letters, the position of the writing on the baseline. So the baseline is the ruled or the imaginary line that you're writing on. Mm -hmm. Height relationships, beginning and ending strokes and line quality. A writer's identity cannot be established through a single individual feature in the writing. Rather, identity is established through a combination of the significant features between the writings with no significant differences. So, for example, my favorite documentary, The Jinx, mm -hmm. when they compared the word Beverly across multiple documents, mm -hmm. it's not just that it's spelled incorrectly, although that's like the main feature that I remember. It's because of like the Y is unique and the b and the e's are very unique mm -hmm. it took so much self-control not to just cover robert durst again. i know i know i know i wanted to mm -hmm. i wanted to too but i was like no hopefully we have raved about the jinx enough that everyone listening to this podcast will have seen that documentary mm -hmm. God, it's so fucking good it's so yeah. fucking good yeah so like I said, uh, or so uh, an example of like a sample could be a, a, your address written on multiple mm. documents over time could be a good source of information for an examiner. Because you mm -hmm. write your address on like, you know, bank, like loan documents right. and your mortgage stuff. And yeah, you've done it like a million times. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And also like you're, it's never going to be like perfectly identical every time, but you can like establish patterns what, what the pattern typically is mm -hmm. for that person yep. so some specific figures that one might look at for comparison are 
the number of strokes used to form the uppercase R. So different like, strokes for different folks. Exactly. So I do it some, in one. So some people do it in two. Like where they make the line and then the R. Yeah. That's how so I you make it your just, downward do line and then your yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you I lift. start at the top down and loop it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do a lift. Uh, you could do you could look at the ending stroke on the lowercase y. So I'm if just the, doing your, all of this. If your here. downward stroke goes straight down, or if you like curve up and around, both okay. of you go straight down. How could you even like tell? Oh, I guess when you look really close, because I actually keep my line on my R pretty sharp. Okay, what was the Y one? Whether it's straight down or whether it's curved. For an uppercase Y? Lowercase Y. Oh, I basically do it the same way either way. The little tail. I I don't know. It kind of depends. Oh, uppercase, I keep it straight. Lowercase, I curve it. Yeah. Okay. This is fun. Yeah. Um, Also, if you write the number eight... Are you doing two circles or one continuous formation? I consciously changed this in my life, which is why it's important to look at multiple characteristics Mm -hmm. of a sample. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. At some point, I think in late elementary school, I also used to like only write in cursive and then I gave up. Yeah, in elementary school, I was like, I'm only going to write in cursive. And I did that for a full year. And it was... It was her American Girl doll time. Yeah. (laughs) And it was really bad. And my cursive Mm. never got better. And finally, I was like, okay, this is not working out for me. So I switched. But the same thing with eight. At one point, I just... I went from going like infinity symbol to two circles. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I usually do two circles, but it depends on if I'm in a rush. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. so Good point. A, an examiner might be able to identify that a signature was traced if the two samples look too similar, or if one clearly has varying pen pressure and the other does not. Mm-hmm. Or if you really didn't want to show your mother that report card that mm-hmm. she was supposed to sign, mm-hmm. and so you traced her signature on the sign. Oh my God, card. I have yeah. forged a lot of late <laughs> slips with my mother's signature. My mom's handwriting <laughs> is really tough to distinct. Replicate. It is, yeah. yeah. It's I think she did that on mine, purpose. But it, oh, you it know is, she did that on purpose. It is, you know, she did. large and loopy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and knew. She, and she definitely has some of those pen lifts. Mm. Like oh, she yeah. she she's got flourishes. She, she yeah, she really she's got curly cues, mm-hmm. garlands, yeah. if you will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I they will. call it. That's Thank what they you. call it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so there's a principle of individuality that forms the basis for handwriting analysis. That is, no two writers share the same combination of handwriting characteristics given sufficient quantity and quality of writing to compare. There have been multiple studies comparing the handwriting of twins and other individuals of multiple births. So here again is from the FBI. Twins typically share the same environmental influences, study in the same school systems at the same time, and in the case of identical twins, share the same DNA. Therefore, one would expect the handwriting of twins to be more similar than the writings of any other individuals. Makes sense. But in fact, identical twins have been found to share a high degree of similarity in their handwriting. However, these studies, which involved more than 200 sets of twins, found 
all found that trained examiners were able to distinguish between all of the twins' writings. That's pretty mm. wild. Mm-hmm. So, so they're I, different, but it's not different. It's it's uh, it's similar, but it's not like the same. Okay. Right. Probably because of that muscle memory piece. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're two different people. You're two separate right. people. Right. So, yeah. So they say. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced, but I want to know about. I'm told those, that twins are different people. So. About those conjoined twins who share everything except their heads. Hmm. One well, of they, them writes with one hand, and the other writes with the other hand. Oh, really? Oh, cool. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. That's well, then amazing. They, then they would have different handwriting. They have two different brains, and they use opposite hands. My guess yep. would be that they have. Pr- pretty different handwriting the same as it would be for like siblings and not even twins necessarily sure. yeah yeah cool yeah the human brain is just unbelievable amazing i, I wonder terrifying. if they can write well they have two brains so presumably they could write at the same time mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know i have so many questions for those girls <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anybody has a connection to them and they want to answer that question, I think that's a interesting question to ask. Lortney played volleyball against them in high school. Yeah, they're from yeah. Minnesota. They they teach. They're from Chaska. Yeah, they're teachers in in somewhere in the Twin Cities area. So if anybody has any connection to them and they want to answer our handwriting question, that would be <laughs> we would so appreciate that. They yeah. have no interest in talking to us. <laughs> you never know. Oh, my God. Also, that would open the floodgates for my enormous list of questions for them. Let's let's chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let them live their lives. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, let's, let's back off because I, I wouldn't if be able to. Like can't us, control herself. <laughs> we will handle that email. Yep. <laughs> Not you. Yep. Okay. okay. That's Moving the safest on. Bet. So there is at least one computer program that can be used to identify an author based on their handwriting, and this program is called Cedar Fox. It was Cedar created, Falls Fox. Cedar Falls. It was created in a study that took writing samples from uh, fifteen hundred individuals, all from the United States, all of varying gender, age, ethnicities, and backgrounds. This study put all of this information into a database. And thereby created Cedar Fox and found that the program could, quote, extract macro features such as slant, word proportion and measures of pen pressure, writing movement and stroke formation from the entire document or from a paragraph in the document or and or from a word in the document. Wow. The document being each person's sample. Mm-hmm. Sure. It was also used to extract micro features such as gradient, structural, and concavity features at the character level of the document. Based on only a few macro and micro features, the authors established that the writer of a particular sample can be identified with 98% confidence. That's incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's literally more accurate than, like, fucking tooth impressions. Right? Well, tooth impressions are not accurate. Right. As I yeah, mean, they're learned. highly controversial. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have this principle of individuality, but we also must take into consideration that no human can recreate exactly the same handwriting multiple times. So there will always be variation. Mm-hmm. As a result of the neuromuscular process, some variation in style or formation is expected. 
Variation is an integral part of an individual's writing. It describes the changes and deviations, often minute, that are found in repeated samples of one person's writing. More specifically, variation refers to the different ways that a writer makes each letter or character. This variation is normal and serves as an added factor to personalize and individualize writing. So Mm -hmm. variations come with a person writing at different speeds, in different contexts, on different materials, with different instruments. Like there are a million factors that can contribute to Different levels of concentration Mm -hmm. or like urgency probably. Uh, Also, uh, what audience they might be writing for, like you were saying with the birthday Mm -hmm. card. Thank you notes. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Honestly, my handwriting gets like worse when I have to write. (laughs) You're under pressure. Because I'm when I'm really thinking about it to make it look half decent. And then Mm -hmm. it just fails miserably. (laughs) Can I just quick anecdote? Yeah. Yeah. So Allie Ward, my hero, and maybe she's my friend. She sent me uh, some, uh, what was it? Like a hazelnut liqueur mm. for for Christmas. Luck. Sounds th- like a friend. I yeah. didn't get anything didn't from Allie. I didn't send you shit. <laughs> no. Kenyon's, we did our Secret Santa, and then Kenyon went <laughs> overboard and sent everyone a gift, and it was all like individually wrapped. I went insane. <laughs> overboard to the point where I thanked her for sending me bananagrams, and she said, I didn't send you that. And I said, well, it was wrapped in the box you sent me, so I think you sent me this. And she said, oh, well, then you're welcome. It's <laughs> like... Honey. You went insane for like three-ish months late last year where I'm you were. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> I was But I fucking love bananagrams. About- I'm so grateful that your mania resulted in that gift for me. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I bought gifts. I bought I gifts know for everyone, honey. <laughs> I bought gifts for my neighbor. I bought gifts for all my cousins. Oh, I my oh God. God. Yeah. Nope. No, I don't know. (laughs) I don't fucking know. Anyway, so Allie Ward sent this to me along with a beautiful hand. If you if you follow her social media, she writes the topic and like a little description for every single episode in this really cool, like flowy, flourishy, chalkboardy. It's just like her handwriting is so cool. Her entire fucking Christmas letter that she sent with the liqueur was written exactly like that. Wow. I think she had like colored pencils. She like did little what things. An angel. Like, she also has fuck? like 10 jobs and a huge hit podcast. I don't know how she does she it. She has a TV show. I will she never. She just got married. I'll yeah. never accomplish anything close as to much any of that. As she does in like one month, <laughs> yeah. I would be proud to accomplish in one year. In a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, and a she has impeccable handwriting. Well, gosh darn Some it. people just get all the blessings, <laughs> don't they? I know. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag so- blessed. <laughs> B-L-E-S-T. Blessed. <laughs> I'm just writing down random words that we're saying. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, I just wrote down hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so how does a document examiner examine documents? Let's say you have a bank robber who passes a note to the teller and we're examining said note. And Mm -hmm. there are two examples on the drive, which will be on the blog that I put on here that that we're kind of talking about here. 
So you might first determine whether the note was naturally prepared, as in written in the person's regular handwriting, or if that note was intentionally distorted. Mm-hmm. So okay. I have examples of both. You can kind of tell. One of them are they like, like your on the drive? Yeah. They're on the oh, drive, which will be on the blog. Yep. So intentionally distorted. It almost looks written with like a left hand. Yeah, it's like really like kind of scratchy, like shaky. Yeah, you everybody could write, be clam. You could still write with your dominant hand, but write like holding the implement really weird. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, like holding it in like a fist, maybe. Yeah. Or, but exactly. yeah, and half of this shit is spelled wrong. I have a yeah. canoe. <laughs> be quiet and no one gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, be so quiet. we call that intentionally distorted. If it is intentionally distorted, you're kind of out of luck when it comes to finding a sample with which to do a side-by-side comparison. Mm. Otherwise, they might take the bank robbery note and compare it with, for example, a loan application from the same subject or whatever we already talked about. Quote, the characteristics examiners consider when conducting comparisons are the subtle subconscious habits of the writer, such as writing in relation to the baseline. So again, that real or invisible line that you're writing on. Mm-hmm. The overall formation of the letters, the heights of the letters in relation to one another, the manner of connecting letters, the size and spacing of letters, the beginning and ending strokes, pen pressure, and other handwriting characteristics. The document examiner does not consider misspellings as individualizing characteristics of the handwriting. So I kind of mentioned that when we touched on Robert Durst, mm-hmm. the fact that he spelled Beverly wrong. It was a big deal in the documentary, but in a forensic setting, that wouldn't because that can't hold, hold that as a, that's a, so evidence. easy to intentionally, intentionally distort, like you're saying. Yeah. Also, like I don't know, there are a lot of people who would misspell spell Beverly. shit wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't say like, "Ooh, you you dumbass, you misspelled gun twice." It, yeah, it's just it's not like, compelling enough mm-hmm, to be exactly. like the smoking gun. Yep. It could be of note. Okay, so in an I'm investigation, I guess. Let's through this next part because there's a lot in here, but there's a lot of words. Okay. Among the features to be considered by the examiner are elements of the writing, such as abbreviation, alignment, arrangement, formatting, and positioning, capitalization, connectedness, and disconnectedness, cross strokes and dots, diet diacritics and punctuation, direction of strokes, disguise, embellishments, formation, freedom of execution, handedness, legibility, line quality, method of production, pen hold and pen position, overall pressure and patterns of pressure, emphasis, proportion, simplification, size, scale, slant or slope, spacing, speed, initial connecting and terminal strokes, system, tremor, type of writing and range of variation. Holy fucking shit. Other features such as lifts, stops and hesitations of the writing instrument, Patching and retouching, slow drawn quality of the line, unnatural tremor, and guidelines of various forms should be looked for and considered when present. Potential limiting factors such as age, illness or injury, medication, drugs or alcohol, intoxication or withdrawal, awkward writing position, cold or heat, fatigue, haste or carelessness, nervousness, nature of the document, use of the unaccustomed hand, unaccustomed hand, so your non-dominant hand, Mm -hmm. And deliberate attempt at disguise or auto forgery should be considered because they may not represent the natural handwriting of the individual. So basically, if like, for example, if somebody is like dying and writing the name of their killer in blood, that's probably going to be different handwriting than 
right, right <laughs> made right on like a chill. So. Yes. And just like that, I no longer have any interest in learning about this. <laughs> no. I can't follow all of that. That's like I'm still interested in learning about it. Do you want but me to there repeat was a, it? No. <laughs> there was like one brief one brief flicker in my head where I was like, oh, this is so cool. I want to study this. I wonder if I can nope. Oh, I I got more excited. Yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. Professional document examiners go through like a two plus year course. Mm -hmm. Nope. Where they learn. I mean, it's like a serious. I mean, it's a a major thing. There's a lot to learn. Yeah, sounds like it. Okay. So related to handwriting analysis is graphology, which is, and this is a quote from my lover, the inference of character from a person's handwriting The theory underlying graphology is that handwriting is an expression of personality, hence a systemic analysis of the way words and letters are formed can reveal traits of personality. Mm -hmm. Graphologists note such elements as the size of individual letters and the degree and regularity of slanting, ornamentation, angularity, and curvature. Other basic considerations are the general appearance and impression of the writing, the pressure of upward and downward strokes, and the smoothness of the writing. Mm -hmm. For example, analytic graphologists interpret large handwriting as a sign of ambition and small handwriting as a sign of pedantry. Graphologists have cautioned that the validity of handwriting analysis can be subverted by such considerations as myopia and the loss of motor control. In general, the scientific basis for graphological interpretations of personality is questionable. This is a controversial, it's essentially a horoscope. Mm. Yeah, so actually, quick anecdote. (laughs) So when Scott and I were sent to environmental camp, (laughs) mainly my mother who convinced his mother to send us there because it was like the outdoorsy camp that my mom went to as a kid. I -hmm. went there with you guys for at least part of it. No, you didn't. Not this one. This was an overnight camp. Oh, no. I didn't do overnight. Uh -uh. Yeah. No. No, this was, and we fucking hated it. Long Lake Conservation Camp. That's where it was. It was horrible. And anyway, lots of like team building and it was just bugs and everything felt like grass. (laughs) It was horrible. So (laughs) what? It was grass. I know. Everything we hated felt, it. felt like, like grass. grass. <laughs> because there was, like, the presence of grass. Mm, just the worst. <laughs> so, uh, so just we, the worst. <laughs> we went, and Scott and I, like, immediately were our little weirdo selves. And at the end of the camp, like, the second to last night or something, we slept not in the cabins, but in, like, tents in the field. I and can't picture this at all. I know. It was the one and only time we ever did anything <laughs> like this. And uh, one time Kenyon slept outside. I, I think it was like eight nights long, this camp. Like it was not, oh. it felt like a year. So that anyway. is a year. That's a really long time. Yeah. So, of course, you know, everything's fucking gendered. They made Scott stay in like a tent with other boys, and I had to stay in a tent with other girls. And I was bored, and I had like, gotten some handwriting analysis book, but I hadn't like actually read it cover to cover. I had just kind of flicked through it. You read enough. Yeah. We were in <laughs> I think enough we were to give you confidence sure. about it. <laughs> we were going into seventh grade. It was the summer between sixth and seventh grade. And it was almost the end of camp and I just was like, I'm gonna analyze all of your handwriting. 
So Step right up. Other, all the other girls in the tent. $20 a reading. <laughs> Basically, I should have charged. But I just had like observed all of their personalities already because we'd been together for a week. So I yeah. just nailed so it. You're a swindler. <laughs> Every, I was just a you're the charlatan. Tinder swindler. You are yeah. the Tinder swindler. Yeah. Yeah. You're a charlatan. Yes, and correct. Then when Want the, some I'll, snake oil? <laughs> then when all the these parents, goat balls will fix your erection. Ew. <laughs> Lose a lover. Um, I have an amulet for that. Ew. Uh, no, but um, when all she the does when all the parents came, Lose uh, a to, lover. <laughs> to pick us up. They like handed out awards and they would announce the name of the award. They were like superlatives, basically. Oh no. <laughs> and you know oh, there were no. there were all normal ones except mm-hmm. for me and Scott. <laughs> all of them were like miscongeniality, like you know, like normal ass fucking awards. <laughs> Most helpful, yeah, best like, attitude. Yeah, exactly. Like oh, somebody God. won this competition, whatever. And then they were like. And the handwriting analysis award goes to, and my mom and Denise just looked at each other. They were like, Canyon. Yep. <laughs> they knew. They just knew. They're probably doing a seance. Oh my God, they're doing a seance. <laughs> so that was camp. And Scott, the whole time we were at that camp, Scott wrote letters, not to his mom about how much he hated it, but to my mom. Well, yeah, because it was her fault that you <laughs> yeah, were even there. That perfectly tracks. It's a hello, mother, hello, father kind <laughs> of a my thing. My mom saved them all. She has all of them saved. They're priceless. Oh, no. What, is, what was Scott's award? Scott's award was... <laughs> oh, no. No. What was it? Just queer. What? No. Basically, it was the Wet Swimming Trunks Award. What? Because what does that mean? He refused to go swimming like on the second day because his swimming trunks were still wet from the day before. So he yeah. was like, I'm not. Not doing that. I'm not tr- doing that. <laughs> My trunks are wet. I'm not going swimming. <laughs> and everybody's like, they're just going to get wet, though. And he was like, no. Not today. <laughs> not today, they're not. <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> not today, they're not. <laughs> Holy shit. They, oh. they d- looking back, they definitely hated us as much as we hated them. Oh, yeah. They did the best they could. Yeah. It was yeah. not a good fit. <laughs> it's not a good <laughs> so on that note holy shit graphology is mostly considered a pseudoscience controversial at best but hardcore fans reason that every pen stroke is a product of the mind and therefore logically any little psychological tendency can factor into one's handwriting well, why not and I have some handwriting samples from the two of you which I analyzed, and yes. I have deduced some personality traits from said samples. From no experience yeah, with us no whatsoever. Yeah, no contamination with knowing us your whole life. Yep. Well, some of these I would not necessarily agree with, but I do want to say that Kenyon's sample I have from the 
three-page document that you texted to us that were pros and cons of going on tour during the Omicron <laughs> variant outbreak. Mm-hmm. And Amanda decided no. Amanda well, yeah. clearly. And Ama- I had to ask Amanda for a sample because I didn't even know what the fuck her handwriting really looked like. And she wrote on a note card. The quick brown fox jumps over the neighbor's dong with an uh, ejaculating <laughs> penis. <laughs> what? Well, I think the types of samples tell a lot. Tells a real story. It's a it's a complicated <laughs> tapestry over here. Yep. A three and page pros and cons <laughs> list versus the quick over the brown fox jumps over the neighbor's dong. <laughs> <laughs> What? And my handwriting sample was a to-do list that I wrote several weeks ago. And yeah. the only thing I got done on that to-do list apparently was getting a spray tan. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds so real. <laughs> That's the realest fucking thing. <laughs> Got a check mark. <laughs> we are so fucking predictable. <laughs> we really are. It's yep. Okay. All right. Tell Got us. It. Tell us. Tell us our personalities. Okay, Amanda. Oh God. According to your sample, <laughs> you set high goals for yourself. You are cautious. <laughs> you are an attention seeker. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have an outgoing uh, outgoing personality. Yeah. You are relaxed. You are trust- loft helps. You are trusting of others. <laughs> you are ambitious. Sure. You are impatient. Yes. And you lack inhibition. Yes. Yeah. A lot of that is true. Yeah. Yeah. All I right. would say you're cautious about certain things. Very yeah. certain, very specific things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. But since you said that the, your handwriting looks a lot like your mother's, maybe this says a lot about your mom, too. This is also, like, the messiest I've ever seen your handwriting in this I sample. Was, I was moving quick. I yeah. wanted to keep it natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. usually I think your handwriting is maybe a little bit neater than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wanted to give you a variety. I wanted to give you lowercase, uppercase. Mm-hmm. An illustration. An illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Kenyon, according to your ample sample, ample sample, ample sample, (laughs) won't shut up. (laughs) Holy shit, I forgot about this list. (laughs) Overthinker. (laughs) You have big ideas. You Mm -hmm. are a bit of an attention seeker as well. You look to the future. Mm -hmm. You may be uptight. You don't (laughs) say Maybe. You have a fear of abandonment. <laughs> this one was kind of wild because it was really specific and it was super apparent in your oh sample. God. Oh, God. You have a strong yet tumultuous relationship with your mother. Oh. That is the most spot on description of that relationship. I, I know. It's like... It's where oh. and to what degree you cross your T's. Yeah. They say that that's, that's, that's the relationship you Just have with your parents. My, the way I cross my T's is like very high up and very long. Yep. That's it's exactly like what it was. Stroke. 
if you're if your stroke is higher, it that's referring to your mother. You have a stronger relationship with your mother. And uh-huh. if it's really long, there's like an intensity there. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh-huh. Well, well, well. You trust others. Uh-huh. You are very intense. You have strong emotions. Uh-huh. You're independent. Uh-huh. And you maybe have a chaotic inner life or just chaotic handwriting in general. I definitely have chaotic handwriting. I don't know how chaotic my inner life is besides I don't think just you run of the mill anxiety. Well, I don't yeah. think you have a chaotic inner life. We all have so. a chaotic inner life. Yeah. Well, but the rest of it, pretty true. For attention seeking, that it's very specific to certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not like social media blasting, but. Mm-hmm. If somebody misattributes one of my jokes on this show to say, I don't know, Lucy or Amanda, <laughs> then Or I, the other way around. Or the you other got way around. Hell to pay. I don't enjoy that. Time no. to pay the troll toll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Did you analyze yourself? I did. And I used a sample that I had written several weeks ago because I didn't want to taint the results. Mm-hmm. Hate a hate a tainted taint. So according to mine, I prefer to stay out of the spotlight. Yeah. I am a reserved observer. I am optimistic. I have trouble connecting with others. (laughs) Unless they're trying to take a photograph as a group. And then you're their best friend. (laughs) Suddenly and out of nowhere. Or they're a cat. Yeah. I uh, I don't have any trouble connecting with cats. Yeah. Feline others are a (laughs) non-issue. I'm good with facts. That's true. (laughs) I am independent. I am depressed. I am flexible. I am not fucking flexible at all. Uh, I was going to say, no. No. The least flexible person. Correct. (laughs) Um, And I have some degree of mental clarity. Yeah. Some. I think the fact that you know how inflexible you are speaks to your your mental mental clarity. clarity. Correct. Yeah. I would agree. That's pretty like good. Like I said, I don't agree with at least one thing in all of our lists. But again, this is essentially a horoscope. Yeah. I actually think that you are more social than you give yourself credit for. I just don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you go to the bar, you know, you have your bevy of friends. I, like, legit uh, do yeah. not leave my house I have four friends in a row. That's a lot of friends. Four is a lot. I have four friends and I really only hang out with them at the bar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's a social life. I took Ben to Target because he doesn't like going shopping by himself. So now we're calling it Target practice. Love that. So every try to go every week, we do some Target practice, even if it's at the grocery store. Well, that's adorable. That's cute. I must yeah. have that. Just adorable. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just a couple other things here. A's and O's are considered communication letters. So closed, neat circles represent that the writer is discreet. Whereas open letters, like if you don't connect your A's at the top, like Amanda, I don't think you connect your A's very much. Yeah. I'm, I'm loopy. Yeah, but you m- don't. May indicate that you can't keep a secret. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it may. (laughs) It may indicate that. (laughs) 
Lowercase letters like J, Y, and G. So we were talking about the lowercase Ys. Those enter the lower zone. So they're under that baseline and they are associated with action. So specifically Y, how you make your lowercase Y is associated with money. According to this article, it's a, uh, most of this is from a good housekeeping article that I read. All three of us are pretty well grounded. We don't indulge in fantasy. And according to our, the way we make our wise, we're also all poor. Mm. So, I mean, once you factor in student loans, my net worth is in the red. <laughs> yeah, really. So it's not and wrong. Then, I have like three different ways that I make wise, though. It depends on where in the sentence they are. It depends on if it if it's the end of a sentence or if there's an S after it. Yeah. Because like I just wrote Rothy's. I'm writing down our promo codes. And mm-hmm. there's an S after the Y. And I definitely make the Y into a loop that turns into the S. But if yeah. it's just ending with a Y, it's like straight mm-hmm. down. Yeah, it really depends. Hmm. So looking at our signatures, all three of our signatures are pretty illegible. And mine's literally an a lowercase a and a J with a squiggle. Yep. A Jacobson. Yeah, mine, mine is, looks like a sperm. I did not change my signature when I changed my name after getting married. That's mm-hmm. how illegible it is. Yeah, Lucy's is literally just like some squiggles. Mine is a giant K mm-hmm. and a giant L with a dot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, so all three of ours are pretty illegible, which indicate that we don't want others to know what's going on inside of our heads. Big, full capital letters, like your mother's signature, indicate a certain showmanship, which I feel like, uh, like Kenyon's big K and big L, that's the only legible part of your signature. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's some sort of combination there. Mm -hmm. But legibility indicates that you have nothing to hide. So clearly we are full of secrets. See, my Mm -hmm. mom's signature, you can read every letter in her name. Mm -hmm. And her name is long, like Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. A lot of fucking letters in that bitch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you can't, and she is like the most transparent and honest person ever like sometimes to a fault mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yep so <clears throat> that's graphology for you wow I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't place any fun. bets on it but it was kind of fun to too late to, yeah uh, and yeah. you know to look at our handwriting samples are your ample samples my I ample love sample it. yeah read through my ample sample to make sure that this is something that could go on the drive what did I well, say I think I might ask you to submit something else because there were some personal details on here yeah for sure you can post mine and you can post amanda's but maybe submit a different one for the for the blog yeah (laughs) that's fair okay well good job thanks yeah that was fascinating it was really fun hear a quick word from our sponsors let's do it the seasons might be undecided. <laughs> we had a thunderstorm and a foot of snow in the same day here in Minnesota recently. <laughs> That's spring, baby. <laughs> That's Minnesota spring, baby. <laughs> but comfort is always the right choice. So save on Brooklinen's five-star collection of cozy essentials to lounge your way through the long and enduring winter to spring. <laughs> <laughs> this this season, whatever yeah. we shall call it. Mud season is right <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> 
Well, Brooklyn uncovers all your bases on comfort for every corner of your space and your life. And there is no better time to step up your comfort. Let's talk about wrapping up in Brooklinen's signature sheets. The best. You can see exactly what all those 100,000 five-star reviews are about because yeah. a lot of people have tried Brooklinen and we all are obsessed. Mm-hmm. And your dream space awaits with Brooklinen's award-winning lineup of home essentials to keep you comfy around the clock. I have I have got Brooklyn and everything. I've got a rope. I've got a bunch of different towels. The towels are so good. I've got like the thin. I've got the bath sheet. I've got the super plush. I I love it. I love everything from Brooklyn in. And Brooklyn in lets you shop all things cozy in just one place at prices that let you rest easy. Mm-hmm. So invest in the comfort that you deserve with Brooklyn in. From loungewear to bedding, they keep the cozy coming. I just washed a set of my Brooklyn and sheets. I can't wait to put them on. Good for you. Yeah, so don't sleep on savings. Brooklyn and President's Day sale is right around the corner. And if you're listening after the sale, you can still get the deals of your dreams at brooklinen.com with promo code GALS. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code GALS, and treat your comfort. Treat it. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. My favorite. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift from art prints and diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone. You can FrameBridge just about anything. It's seriously the best and the easiest thing ever. So here's how it works. You just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they can send you packaging to safely mail in physical pieces. You preview your item online in dozens of frame styles, gallery wall layouts, like you can really plan before you make your decision. You choose your favorite, or you can get free recommendations from their talented designers, which as someone with ADHD and ADHD and overwhelm, I use that service a lot. (laughs) The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. And I know I always say this, but like, it's everything but the wall and the hammer, people. It's all of the little, like, tools you need to make sure that it is securely hung. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And instead of the hundreds that you would pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Mm-hmm. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use our code WINECRIME. Do not sit on this deal. Uh, my house is covered in Framebridge mm-hmm. items. They make the most amazing gifts. It's really good quality. Yes. Stunning. I just got a two... F- photos that Bill took of us in Iowa at like this really cute mid-century Airbnb that we stayed at. We did like a little 70s photo shoot for funsies and I got them in these like brass bamboo frames. Mm -hmm. It's like very mid-century funky cute and they're literally perfect. Mm -hmm. So you can order online at framebridge.com or you can stop by a framebridge store which like this is on my bucket list. I need to go to a framebridge store. To work with a designer in person if you're in New York, D.C., Atlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chicago. Yes. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code WINECRIME to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME. 
framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME, and treat your walls. Treat them. Are we ready for my case? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's how to say. <laughs> it's, oh, oh, no. It's oh, juicy until you realize how sad it is. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Sad and juicy. Like tears. It works. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> So Diana Hahn had once dreamed of achieving fame and fortune as a model. Mm. Didn't we all? (laughs) I literally never did. (laughs) There's one dream I've never had. (laughs) But in 1996, when she was 36 years old, her fledgling modeling career had long since fizzled out because we all know that women cease being sexual objects at 32. Well, right. According to society. Mm -hmm. You're an old shoe at that point. (laughs) So she was working as a deli clerk at Avon's supermarket in Oxnard, California, which like, I don't know what it is about that name, but. Hate it. I don't like it. Hate the name of that town. Uh, And this was not far from the town where she had grown up. But she did not have to depend entirely on her grocery store paycheck to get by. She also had an annuity worth over $1 million dollars which was resulting from an injury she had sustained back in high school when she was a, a basketball player. And wow. at first I was like, you know, really? A million dollars for your high school? Ba-? But then when I read about what the injury was, it was, it was actually what extremely happened? Did she get to keep it? Oh, no. God. <laughs> Did you keep it? So a, a backboard, like, you know, basketball. Yeah. yeah. Fell onto her head during a game. No. <gasps> and she was in a coma for three months. Holy whoa. shit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, my Lord. Where did the million dollars come from? I think, you know, the, the backboard wasn't insurance. secured properly. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Oh, it's the, like an insurance claim? Yeah, mm-hmm. the school must have, either the school or oh, the school's sued. insurer wow. had, to, had to pay for it. That's really intense. Wow. Yeah. Also, it might explain some of her choices oh. later on because she had a severe head injury. Oh. Gotcha. So uh, this annuity paid her over $1,000 per month and was set to continue every month until she turned 65. So instead of getting a lump sum, she got $1,000 a month basically for life. And she called J.G. Wentworth 877-CASH-NOW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Right. Okay. And like a thousand dollars a month, eh, yeah, it's it's not nothing, but it's, it's not, not nothing. It's, it's not also, a livable wage. It's, it's not, not going to be a down wage. payment on a house, you know. Fact like if no. you just want all that money to like invest in something, yeah, you're mm-hmm. still going to have to work. It's a nice little extra. Mm-hmm. It's a know, bonus. It's a yeah, exactly. And I've lived off of less per year, but also I was like not a full adult yet and didn't have like dependents. So mm-hmm. at Vaughn's supermarket, she soon hit it off with Michael Daly, who was also 36, and her manager. And the two quickly realized that they had a lot in common. Oh, including you had a backboard fall on his head in high <laughs> oh school. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> no, I wish. If only. I wish. God. Well, okay. So, for example, both of their mothers were originally from Japan, and both of their fathers uh, were white and had served in the U.S. military. Michael, though, was married with two young sons, 
and that did not stop him and uh, Diana from starting a little affair. Mm -hmm. Got it. Also, according to their co-workers, they were not shy about this affair, and it, they were pretty conspicuous. There was lots of, like, flirting at work. It was just out there. Yeah. To the point where in March of 1996, they vacationed together in Mexico. Now, that's not Come discreet on. at all. Which, like, I don't know. How, how would you even begin to try to hide that from your spouse? You're right. on a work trip, and it's yeah. 1996. Mm. You work at a grocery store. <laughs> okay, well, that's True. out. You come home with a fucking sunburn. I'd be like, what the fuck? Mm. I don't True. know. I just don't True. understand people that can cheat like that and have like, long-term affairs. I don't. But yeah, to Lucy's it. point, it was probably easier to be conspicuous and like live. And we've talked about this so many times. Live like a second life without the existence of social media and mm -hmm. just like your Cell bros, phones, your bros keep internet. your secrets. And, right. you know. Right. It, yeah, it maybe he said happens. he was going on a boy's trip right. somewhere. Right. right. Yeah. Who knows? It's shady as all hell, but it's doable. Yeah. I yeah. don't like it, but no, yeah, I could probably like get it. away with it if I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, in, in 96, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Michael had been with his wife, Sherry Renee Guess. Her maiden name was Guess since high school. As teenagers, uh, Sherry was outgoing and active in Girl Scouts and the 4-H club. Oh, God. Both active in the FFA. Mm. Not actually, but just 4-H, but you have to say it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Michael was charming and well-liked. His classmates kind of racistly, because this was in the, what, 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. called him Hawaiian Mike. Oh, Lord. Okay. He had no connection to Hawaii, but he was half Japanese. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so they were high school sweethearts, and they got married very soon after graduation. But just a few years into the marriage, Michael grew restless. And so Diana Hahn was by no means his first extramarital mm. affair. She was uh -oh. one in a very long list. You're if one you're in gonna, a million. <laughs> you're going to get married that young prime of your life you're suddenly saddled with children and then Ugh. your husband feels entitled to go dick around with whoever he fucking wants to yeah. any of the young folks listening just don't just wait until your real fuckable days are behind you there's no then rush. get married there's go, really no rush go fuck everything yeah there's no rush <laughs> Ev everything Go, sow mm -hmm. your oats. Mm -hmm. Fly free. Take mm -hmm. all the nudes and sow all the oats. Lucy and yeah. I are being very hypocritical here, though, because you met Corey when you were like 20 and I was 21. Yeah, but I did a lot of damage before I was <laughs> yeah. before then. So I'm, I'm good. I laid yeah. some pipe before I got Same. married. I laid some pipe. <laughs> yeah. we, we were efficient. Yeah. We knew what we had when we had it. Yeah, I've had a lot of breaks in my monogamy over the years to figure out where to put it and where to get it put. Mm. <laughs> okay. You just got to figure out what you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just saying, go fucking Dabble. go nuts. Yeah. Dabble. Fuck, literally fuck everyone and <laughs> everything. Dabble. Dab. 
dabble like there's no tomorrow. There, because there may not be a tomorrow. Yeah. Go dabble. Okay, so oh. <laughs> I'm so sad. Okay, go ahead. I'm so sad for her for this person. Yeah. yeah. So an acquaintance of the couple would later recall of Michael and Sherry's marriage that it was, quote, marked by her fidelity and Michael's infidelity. Great. That's super healthy. Love Balanced. that. I like yeah. that. A balanced breakfast right there. So in addition to his numerous romantic affairs, Michael also frequently patronized sex workers and also developed a regular cocaine habit. Mm. So not, not devoting all of his discretionary funds to his two children. Sherry, who stayed home with their two sons, also ran a daycare business. So she was just home with children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of the time. God. And she remained devoted to her husband, even as he began spending less and less time at home off getting his rocks off with sex workers and girlfriends and coke dealers. Hopelessly devoted (laughs) to you. To douche. I don't know why I am just full of the music today, but I'm letting it flow. Yeah. You have the spirit in you. I have the spirit in me. Mm -hmm. So Michael and Diana, the co-worker soon decided that they were not content to continue their relationship as just a clandestine affair. Mm. They needed to get Michael out of his marriage. Wow. And so okay. rather than filing for divorce. Yeah, there are so many ways to get out of a marriage. Yeah. Like primarily say, like saying, the way. I want out, <laughs> out of, of this, this marriage. marriage. <laughs> all, it's all you got to say. God. Yeah, it's not hard. Yeah. It's expensive, but it's not hard. Right, right. And it might not even be that expensive. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be expensive if both sides are just amicable and it's just not, Yeah. Do it's not it. like he was made of money either. He mm-hmm. fucking was a manager at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so Michael and Diana hatched an elaborate plot that involved Diana disguising herself as a police officer. Oh, this is going to be good. And <laughs> pretending to place Sherry, the wife, under arrest Ugh. because Sherry didn't no Diana, you know? Oh, my God. What she wouldn't, could go wrong? She here? wouldn't this recognize is, her. Th- yeah, this is bad. This is bad. Presumably so that Sherry would allow herself to be handcuffed and placed into the back of a car without resisting. Good which Lord. Which is horrific. That yeah. is, yeah, this is so, fucked up. Kidnapping, cool. This is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Literally kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Great. So on May 6th, 1996, Diana arrested Sherry in a Target parking lot, Target practice, and (gasps) placed her in the back of a car that she had rented the day before. So not Diana's actual car. She rented the car. Then she drove Sherry to another location where she beat and stabbed her (gasps) to death. Oh, my my God. God. What the fuck? I told you it was really fucking sad. Jesus. It's that that just went from fucking zero to a thousand yeah. so fast. It's not even juicy yet. I well, thought the juice would come first. Good lord. Yeah. God, yeah. Jesus. And Holy Michael shit. wasn't even there. Oh, that Piece fucking coward. He was probably with a third woman. I mean, it was a ca- it was a cowardly thing. It was like he d- he didn't want to get caught, so he let Diana do all the dirty work. Yep. Very Men. dirty work. Men are not worth it. Mm-hmm. No. 
So meanwhile, Michael uh, reported his wife missing and played the part of a distressed husband. Mm, For a while, investigators seemed to buy it. But rather than fucking cool it in their pants for a few months and lay low to avoid suspicion, instead, Michael and Diana continued their affair even more brazenly. Oh, my God. Who would suspect a thing? Mm -hmm. So stupid. Everything about this is so fucking dumb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Five days after Sherry's disappearance, Michael brought his jet ski into a repair shop with Diana by his side. I hate him Because any grieving husband and father would take the time. Go get their jet ski repaired. Less than a week after his wife's disappearance. Ugh. Fuck off, dude. Fuck off. I mean, jet skis are fun, but... Jet skis are super fun. You should be yes. planning a funeral. This is not an anti-jet ski no. advertisement <laughs> in no. any way, shape, or form. I'm pro-jet ski. thousand mm-hmm. percent pro-jet ski. Mm-hmm. I am gotta, anti you, this fucking guy, though. You gotta mm-hmm. clip that thing to your life jacket, though, in case yeah. you fall off. Yeah, yeah the, the, the rip cord. The Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> we do water sparts. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love jet skis because you don't have to physically do much. Not much. No. They just sit. It's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> <laughs> We're athletes. You don't even have to stand. It's we pretty love perfect. Aquatic <laughs> stuff. Water starts. Spirits. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Also telltale fucking sign, he began to get rid of his wife's possessions while she was still missing. Mm. Hmm. Like, Curious. I love a good clean out, but like... Too soon, dude. boss. Yeah. So soon investigators narrowed their focus to Michael and Diana. Before long, they had found witnesses who remembered seeing Diana purchase a blonde wig, fake police badge, and handcuffs. That she used in the fake arrest. It's wow. a coincidence, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's for socks. Witnesses. Uncut Jalum. It's for Uncut Jalum. Don't even get me started on Uncut Jalum. <laughs> Uncle Jims. I couldn't stop saying it the other day. <laughs> I was just musing Uncut Jalum. Uncut Jalum. I mean, I was just Safdie's musing Uncut Jalum. <laughs> For Wama. For Wama. I got y'all. <laughs> Witnesses also placed her near a ravine where investigators would discover Sherry's remains on June 1st, 1996. So people literally saw Diana like near this fucking ravine. Yeah. Sus. Multiple witnesses. Good and Lord. Sherry's blood was found inside the car that Diana had rented. And a local dry cleaner contacted police to report an anonymous phone call from a woman asking for advice about removing blood stains from a car seat. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's just so dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb. Yeah. If I, you. Uh, yep. Yeah. Like, the stupidity of Michael and Diana is funny. Mm-hmm. What yeah. happened to Sherry is not funny. Oh, it's awful. Oh, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Right. It's fucking awful. Right. Of course. So, Michael and Diana were both arrested and charged with Sherry's murder. I want to just add, and we will get to it, but, like, fucking Diana also 
bought all of this shit with checks. Oh my god. Not cash. <laughs> checks. Ooh, the backboard oh, had something to do with this. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. This is so dumb. This is so dumb. Funny. I would put I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Michael were the one making all these fucking mm-hmm. dumbass moves. Mm-hmm. But Diana, you should have been smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Lady Die. So Diana's trial took place first, and it was decided that capital punishment was on the table if she was found guilty, because this was so fucking premeditated and gruesome. Her defense lawyers argued that she had been taken advantage of by Michael, who had manipulated her into committing the crime. And like, Mm. look, anytime you have more than one perpetrator of a crime, someone's Mm. getting manipulated. And yeah. yeah, But like, you still have agency. Still culpable. You're still an adult person. So it's also like someone's probably going to turn on the other to save their butt when it comes down to it. Mm -hmm. You think? I'd, yeah. I mean, if someone's about to sing like a goddamn canary, I could just fucking hear it. They're warming up. But he's They're so loyal. Up. He's, yeah, he's just so loyal. Mm. Some of the most incriminating evidence against Diana had to do not with the blood stains that she had tried to get Good rid God. of or the murder weapons, but with a green pen that police had found in her possession when she was arrested. Pink pen. And also green is kind of a rare pen color, I think. Mm. I got one right here. It yeah, was Ray. It you, was Ray. You have a lot of pens. I have a lot of pen. Yeah. Yeah. I do. So a green pen had been used to sign the rental car agreement for the vehicle that was found to contain Sherry's blood. And checks written out in green pen had been used to pay for the wig and several other items purchased in the lead up to the murder including also a pantsuit. Ooh, never a good idea. <laughs> never a good call. A camping axe. Okay. Mm. Stop writing okay. checks. Jesus. Yeah. I know it Y'all. was 96, but like, come on. They're cash. Cash was more common in 96. Yeah. yeah we I feel had like ATMs. You probably were allowed to rent a car with cash in 96. It was a free-for-all. It was the 90s. It was the fucking Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like (laughs) it is today. So multiple handwriting experts were called as witnesses and questioned about Diana's signature and whether it could be definitively matched to signatures on the rental car agreement and checks. And two FBI document examiners were also flown in from D.C. and called to the stand to examine the checks used to purchase the various items and compare them to handwriting samples that Diana had provided to the police. Because I think one FBI examiner was brought in on behalf of the prosecution and the other on behalf of the defense, obviously they had conflicting analyses, Mm -hmm. but like she fucking did it. So yeah, of course she did. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So they provided slightly conflicting analyses to the jury. One of the FBI examiners stated that although she found similar characteristics in Diana's handwriting and the handwriting on the checks, she was still, quote, less than positive that each check had been penned by Diana, which I think is, like, the loosest possible out. Instead of being, like, definitely not her, she was like, I can't conclusively say yes. <laughs> so and the FBI... I'm not, not saying yes. <laughs> they have, like, a rubric where that's one of the... It's They can have, like, one of five... Mm-hmm 
results, like conclusions. Right. Mm. And that's one of them. So, however, another document examiner called to the stand by the prosecution stated that the signature on the writing sample that Diana had provided was definitely made by the same person who had signed the rental car agreement. Diana apparently had a unique signature, and unfortunately, I couldn't find the example of her signature online, but mm-hmm. maybe somebody else can. I don't know. And this was characterized by being slightly illegible with an overly large D and a slanting middle initial J. Okay. The signature on the rental car agreement looked slightly different than usual, and there was some debate over whether this meant that someone had tried to forge her signature, which, like, mm. who? That didn't happen. Right. That's not what happened, right. but or, I see what why they're trying to, yeah. Or if Diana herself had made an attempt to disguise her own signature. That's much more likely. Mm-hmm. Even more bizarrely, these expert document examiners also weighed in on some typewritten documents. Although that's not that bizarre, but like the fact that the same experts weighed in on the typewritten ones I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I think they're all trained that Across. that two year training course encompasses like all sorts of documents. All the right. things. So like if you like if you're using a typewriter and you like do two spaces after a period or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the aftermath of Sherry's murder, several press outlets had received an anonymous typewritten letter claiming responsibility for the murder, along with several others in the area. So somebody was trying to make it seem like Sherry's death was part of, like, a serial killer spree, Mm -hmm. which, like, Mm -hmm. also is really fucking dumb. Right. Yeah. The letter claimed that law enforcement had been, quote, lazy and gullible when investigating the case and that Sherry's murder was actually committed by, quote, British nationals oh <laughs> a small foreign faction yeah i love i love british these. god <laughs> british nationals i don't think they knew what those what that meant you know in high school <laughs> swimming i almost went to the british nationals but i just missed it just missed her committed by some bloodthirsty tourists. <laughs> so fucking dumb. It's so dumb. People are so dumb. I know. I love it personally. Uh, so police <laughs> Makes our jobs easier. Yeah, yeah. Who does. <laughs> Limitless <Police> content. <laughs> very quickly seemed to suspect that Diana had typed the letters herself and then they seized multiple typewriters from her home cuz she had like <laughs> several typewriters. Oh, wow. That sounds like Kenyon. I wish I had multiple (laughs) typewriters. Uh, Zach has a student right now who's writing a novel and that's all I can can say about that, but on a typewriter and it's really cute. That's adorable. Why work that hard? It's so much easier to use a computer. Well, it's cute. It's cute. So (laughs) what... One of the FBI document examiners stated on the stand that, quote, I was able to determine that the same style and design of type was present in, like, the letters and the machines, but unable to say for certain that it is from the same typewriter. So it's consistent, but not definitively the same. Mm -hmm. Similarly, testimony about the green ink used for the rental car agreement and the checks was technically inconclusive, but, like, I don't fucking know. I think it. It's her damn green pen. I don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A different FBI expert from the one who analyzed the typewritten letters stated that the ink was common and widely available to a number of people. So it's just like a regular ass green pen. 
Mm-hmm. So they could they you know they couldn't be like this pen was made in like the foothills of Bavaria <laughs> in the yeah. in the fi- <laughs> fires of Mount Doom right. in Mordor. It was just like a regular ass pen that a lot of people might have. So okay. it's that that makes the green pen a little more circumstantial, but right. still evidence. Yeah, the consistency of the use of that specific pen, I think, across samples. So despite the preponderance of handwriting-related testimony, like, the real most effective strategy of the prosecution seemed to be just all the other mountain of evidence against (laughs) Diana. Everything else. (laughs) (laughs) And their portrayal of her as a woman out of her mind with jealousy who wanted Michael all to herself and was willing to do whatever it took to achieve this. Because he's such a catch. Yeah. But, like... I don't fault the prosecution for doing that because they're trying them separately and they want to, like, nail a conviction Oh yeah, mm-hmm. of Diana. And so they have to, in her trial, focus on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. So on September 26, 1997, a jury found Diana Hahn guilty of conspiracy, kidnapping, and murder. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole, so they did not give her the death penalty. Four days before my 10th birthday, too. Just wow. really ruined my party. Wow. Oh, you're still recovering from that. Yeah, I don't know if I ever will. That bitch. <laughs> the trauma <laughs> is reflected in your handwriting. Yeah, yeah. I picked that up in Especially my Especially in the dong. Not the word, but the drawing <laughs> of the dong. The, the disconnected the, the ba- dong. How the balls are not connected yeah. to the base of the shaft. That's yeah. a sign of trauma, for it sure. Is. Some kind of trauma. Yeah. Michael Daly was tried separately and also potentially faced the death penalty if convicted. However, there was pretty much no forensic evidence tied to him, like tying him to the crime. Mm. And he had an alibi for the time of Sherry's kidnapping. He was at work. Everyone saw him at work because he's a fucking coward. Mm-hmm. And he planned he it that way. It the gal do his dirty work. Yeah. Yep. So he had Diana literally buy all the gear and the murder mm-hmm. weapon and the vehicle and literally Use like commit checks. the crime. Yeah, exactly. Her fucking checks. I can't with the checks. God. He, he instead was charged with, quote, lying in wait and committing the crime for financial gain. So okay. I'm assuming life insurance or whatever and like getting to keep the house and all that stuff mm-hmm. instead of getting divorced. Mm hmm. His defense attorney pointed to Diana's basketball injury settlement money as evidence that Michael had not plotted the murder to gain access to Sherry's life insurance settlement. So the defense was saying, like, why would he need the life insurance when Diana, his girlfriend, makes a thousand dollars a month? A, a, it makes twelve thousand dollars a year. <laughs> That's absurd. It's not about the money. Yeah. Oh, my God. Before Uh, taxes. Wow. What a deal. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Shouldn't we all be so lucky as to be in a coma for three months? Yeah. Yeah. So the defense literally literally tried to claim at trial that he could have just left Sherry to be with Diana, who, quote, had enough money to support them both. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, even in the 90s, that's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got two kids. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. So his attorney also said to the jury of the cl- of his client, quote, he is not a good person. 
But <laughs> just because he frequents, and then they use this word prostitutes, mm-hmm. just because he smoked rock cocaine. <laughs> wow. Just because he did not treat his wife the way she ought to be treated, that does not make him a murderer. That makes me a lawyer who's totally given up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like the most classic defense. It really is. Like, he's a piece of shit, but he didn't kill anybody. (laughs) Let him go. (laughs) So the defense also just tried to like point, put everything on Diana, who had already been convicted. And make it seem like this was entirely cooked up by her and Michael didn't know about it and all this stuff. And so the defense saved his harsh- harshest words for Diana, claiming, quote, It was all her. This plan was designed, conceived, and carried out by this psycho, crazed, whacked out witch, Diana Hawn. Holy shit. Whacked out witch. Yeah. Kind of like Put that, that on my tombstone. Yeah I, yeah, I like that. And actually, there were several allegations of witchcraft mm. in both trials. Love it. The fuck? Including one of their co-workers at the grocery store. Testify. <laughs> <laughs> they hung out in the back of the schoolyard at recess making potions. Oh my god, I would and be in sacrificing such deep each shit. other. <laughs> I know. Imagine if there could still be accusations. I mean, we're like four years away from it at the Supreme Court at this point, but like there could just be accusations <laughs> of witchcraft. We'd be done so. We'd yeah. be literally guilty. Imprisoned for <laughs> life. So Oh my god, they're doing a seance. <laughs> they're probably doing a oh my god, they're doing a seance. <laughs> <laughs> so, the co-workers at the grocery store testified that Diana told her that she was, quote, planning a human sacrifice for Michael's birthday. I mean, I love a theme. I love a theme. <gasps> that should be my theme for my next birthday party. Totally. Humans we'll invite your sister. Sacrifice. Yeah, we'll invite Madeline. Oh, oh poor Madeline. <laughs> Oh, my God. The prosecution called several witnesses to refute the argument that Michael had no knowledge of Diana's plans. Debbie English, a close friend of Sherry's, testified that Michael had inadvertently made a remark to her that seemed to indicate he had knowledge of where Sherry's body was even before police had discovered her remains. So I don't know exactly what he said about, like, where, but he might have, like, mentioned, like, the ravine or something like that. Or like or past down tense. There. Maybe past tense, like he already knew she was dead. Well, mm. this is about knowledge of the location of the body. So there oh. was some offhand comment that he knew she was in the ravine or outdoors mm. or something. Okay. Gotcha. The friend said that he had also made an offhand comment about Sherry having been, quote, snatched when she was still missing. So indicating that he knew that it was a kidnapping and not, Mm. like, her just leaving and disappearing. Uh Mm. Most damningly, though, Sally Lowe, another woman with whom Michael had had an affair, because, like, there were a bunch of them, Uh testified that Michael had choked her without her consent on two occasions and tried to coerce her into giving him money. She also, just because he had this cocaine habit, 
rock cocaine, whatever they called it. Rock, rock cocaine. Okay. I think that's called crack, but yeah. who knows? I mean, we probably look like idiots too, but still, know. it sounds fucking ridiculous. Pretty sure it's crack. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. It's all cocaine. It's just right. racist descriptions. Mm-hmm. Right. So this ex-lover... She described how Michael discussed feeling trapped in his marriage and fantasized out loud about killing his wife. Oh, God. And he also, quote, casually asked Sally if she could ever imagine killing anyone, a question which made her feel uncomfortable at the time. But in retrospect, she believed to be Michael kind of feeling out her openness to a murder plot. Yep. Mm -hmm. So he had this fucking thing planned and waited until he found Mm-hmm. A girl for a mistress that was going to go along with his ideas. Yep. Yeah, he kind of groomed her. Yeah, it wasn't because he liked Diana more and wanted to Mm-mm. be with her. It was because he could manipulate. Well, I mean, he, she agreed to do this. Mm-hmm. So Michael was also convicted and avoided the death penalty, but a judge sentenced him, thank goodness, to life in prison without parole. Mm-hmm. Both Diana Hahn and Michael Daly are still serving out those sentences. So they are Oops, still in prison. Bye. Yeah. And that wow. is my case. So don't what use a case. an interesting colored pen. Don't use checks ever. 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 And don't kill anybody, especially yeah. not for a man. Right? They're not worth it. No. no. They just no. aren't. And so now, because of this selfish prick, these mm-hmm. two children, who now uh, are grown, but they... Lost their mom. Lost their mom. And their For dad. no fucking reason. And yeah. Sherry lost her fucking life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And her best days. Ugh. Yeah. God, that's like the most egregious part. He stole her fuckable, like her fuck days. Yep. Not fuckable, because we're all fuckable until mm-hmm. we're dead in the ground, mm-hmm. damn it. Mm-hmm. But Your late teens, early 20s. Her high energy fuck years. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Took them right out from under the poor gal. Mm-hmm. It isn't right. It's not right. So that's my case. Wow. Nice job. What a ride. <laughs> yeah. Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Let's, Let's do, do it. Did you know that an estimated five billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? Each year? Yeah. It's no. it's not great. And if that wasn't bad enough, each bottle can be made of more than 90% water. So that mm. is a lose-lose situation for the planet. It's taken up water and it's creating a bunch of waste. Mm-hmm. People, it is 2022. Stop wasting water and throwing out more plastic and switch to Blue Land's revolutionary refill cleaning system instead. Honestly, if you are not compelled by just the environmental impact, the products alone are well worth it. Yes. Blue Land's idea is super simple and beautiful. You buy the bottle once and you refill it forever. No more plastic waste. The only thing you need to discard is your outdated idea that eco-friendly products are more expensive and less effective. It's not true. Blue Land proves it. So just fill Blue Land's beautiful Instagrammable bottles with warm water. You pop in one of the hand soap or spray cleaner tablets. And within minutes, you have powerful cleaning products in the most incredible scents, such as iris agave, Mm. perian lemon, 
lavender eucalyptus. Like I'm telling you, you clean and your house smells like a spa. It's incredible. They're, the scents are really like unique and beautiful and not like overwhelming. No, they're subtle. It's like somebody lit a nice gentle candle yeah. in a different room. Yeah. Like perfect. And from their best-selling clean essentials kit to their hand soap duo and plastic-free laundry and dishwasher tablets, I have all of the above. Blueland has something for every inch of your home and back by very popular demand, probably me tweeting at and emailing <laughs> Blueland, is Blueland's toilet tablet cleaner. I have never enjoyed cleaning my toilet more than when I started using the Blueland toilet tabs. Get it before it sells out again. I am literally restocking my order right now. So Blueland's stunning high quality forever bottles start at just $10 when you buy a kit and are meant to be reused forever with money-saving refill tablets that start at just $2. Mm-hmm. So easy. So try Blueland today. You will love it and the planet will thank you. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order when you go to blueland.com gals20. That's 20% off your first order of any Blueland products at blueland.com slash gals20, G-A-L-S-2-0, blueland.com slash gals20, and treat you clean. Treat it. So the three of us are no strangers to imposter syndrome. Yep. <laughs> that, that might be what happens when you're millennials who start a company in an industry that you have no experience in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it is challenging. I mean, self-doubt is something that I know that I struggle with and have for a long time. I have a mountain of mental health challenges, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, whatever challenges you're facing in your mental health, whether you're struggling with low self-esteem, check. Body image issues, check. Anxiety, check. Depression, <laughs> check. Or anything else. There is no one-size-fits-all solution. We're all unique. We are all special. And with work, school, relationships, the the status of the world pulling you in every direction, it can be hard to find time to focus on what you really need. We are not making ourselves a priority in 2022, and we need to change that. Mm -hmm. And that is why Talkspace Online Therapy gives you unlimited access to a licensed therapist so you can set aside time to put yourself first. So take care of your mental health on your time and at your pace. Instead of a therapist trying to squeeze you into their like busy and rigid Mm -hmm. schedule, Talkspace fits into your schedule Mm -hmm. with 24-7 asynchronous messaging, meaning you can just write to your therapist whenever Mm -hmm. you want, whatever it pops into your head. Mm-hmm. Talk about what's on your mind in the moment without having to wait for an appointment. And then when it's their office hours, they will respond to you. Mm-hmm. You'll also have the options of chat, video, audio for live sessions. So you can get support on your own terms from any device. You can also like do a mix of those, mm-hmm. which I really like. That's what I do. Sometimes when I'm in like a crisis, I want that face to face. And sometimes when I'm in like a crisis, I want to just text. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's up to you. And it's great. My husband uses Talkspace as well. And he's super, super busy um, and also like likes to work out. And so he will text his therapist from the treadmill. Good for him. Yeah. Like literally making it work with his schedule. I love that. It's great. 
two birds with one stone. So mm-hmm. also Talkspace makes your privacy a priority. It has encryption and added security features to keep your conversations secure. We love it. So get the one size fits one support that you need with Talkspace. Sign up today at Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with promo code GALS. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code GALS, and treat your brain. Treat it. Okay, so um, here's my nightmare all the time. You're shopping. Nothing fits right. Mm -hmm. Getting your perfect size when your body is... Unique it and is, special it, and beautiful. Yeah, my body is perfect, but it is not standard. Easy. It's not easy to clothe sometimes. <laughs> and it can be really annoying being in the store and trying things on and not having them fit. Like they either fit like a glove or you cannot get something up past your thigh. Mm-hmm. And when you're shopping for undergarments, it's not always super safe and easy feeling to just try them on no. at a store. Mm-mm. Even like, with the little little yeah, liner. The little, the little, yeah, the little the sticker. Mm, it's not cutting it for me. But this is why me undies has completely changed my entire life. They have the softest undies, bralettes, loungewear, and more that are made to fit just right. And I have a subscription. So I get underwear every month for me and my partner that match. And they are so cute. And it helps me put off laundry day because I just have new underwear coming in. Like, it's just... It's supporting me in every way possible. It really fits your lifestyle. It really does. (laughs) And that's because Me Undies believes that comfort is about more than what's touching your skin. It's about feeling comfortable in your skin. And comfort starts with finding the perfect fit and size for you, which is why Me Undies wear tests on all sizes, from extra small to 4XL, for everything that they make. I love that. They're not just like, following standard measurements they're like no try it on does it does Mm -hmm. it fit a body of this size Mm -hmm. they also offer different cuts for different butts (laughs) Mm -hmm. i love the little like the booty short ones yeah boy shorts yeah in bold colors to fun and adventurous prints me undies wants you to find comfort in your size so the world can be a happier and comfier place for every booty Oh my gosh, this is my mantra. So MeUndies promises if you're not comfortable with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. I mean, that's incredible. And MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. So to get 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash gals. That's MeUndies.com slash gals. And treat your nethers. Treat them. Okay, are you folks ready for my case? I hope so. I have no idea what the direction is. This story is wild. Mm. I also had to cut a lot of it out because it could literally be its own full season of a podcast. Okay. So if there are plot holes, roll with it. Roll with it. Google can fill them. Okay. Got it. So here we go. Christian Carl Gerhardstreiter. Ooh, gluten free? Gluten free was born in Germany on February 21st, 1961. It was the 60s. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. His parents were hardworking creatives, his father a landscape painter, and his mother a seamstress. 
He traveled to the U.S. as a teen in 1978 on a tourist visa and decided to stay and pursue the American dream. Mm -hmm. He was living in San Marino, California in the 80s under the name Christopher Mountbatten Chichester. Hmm. Wow. Some some grandiose imaginings there. (laughs) And claiming to be a movie producer and connected to royalty by blood. There you go. Specifically (laughs) the nephew of British statesman Lord Mountbatten. Mm. Good Lord. He rented a guest house from a woman named Dee Dee Sohus, and she lived in the main house with her adult son, John, and John's new wife, Linda. So Dee Dee and her son and daughter-in-law are all living together in the house, and Christopher is in the guest house. Mm -hmm. Got it. The young married couple were in their 20s. Linda was an artist who painted fantasy creatures, and John was a computer technician. Fantasy creatures? So many people are just living off of their art. It's Love it. it, It's the 80s. Or lying about living off of their art. These people are not lying about living off of their art. This woman is. The other guy is. Yeah. Young and newly married, living at home with mom was not ideal, and the couple were working hard to find jobs and move out of the house. Mm-hmm. Linda told friends and family that she and John had landed a job interview in New York with a company that wanted to hire them both for different positions. Ooh. The couple boarded their six cats, so they're living <gasps> with mom and six cats. Uh, that's not going to fly in New York. No, they boarded the, the cats yeah. In a, yeah, and left town. And that was the last anyone ever saw of John and Linda Sohus. Oh, no. Or it might be Sohus, but I'm not sure. Several weeks later, her beloved cats abandoned. Linda's friends and family started receiving postcards, but not from New York. The postcards were coming from Paris, France, and seemed to be written by Linda, but she had never gotten a passport, and nobody could reason why she and John would leave all of their possessions behind, including, obviously, the cats, but Linda's art portfolio and paints her literal livelihood that she never traveled without. Jeez. Mm-hmm. But there was no solid evidence of a crime, and when Dee Dee claimed that a, quote, secret source had told her they were on, quote, a special mission and were fine, people just kind of let it go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Special mission. It's never a special mission. It's and it's no never a mannequin. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's now 1985 and Christian slash Christopher decides to leave California and move east right after John and Linda disappeared. He makes his way to Greenwich, Connecticut and assumes the name Christopher Crow. Is it so f- easy to just assume a name? In, in the, the 80s. 80s. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And also you can't Not pull anymore. that Mountbatten shit in Greenwich because Mm-mm. people... People fucking know their royals in Greenwich, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, really? No pulling the royal wool over their eyes. Right. So with a fake social security number in hand, he steps into his new identity and wiggles his way onto Wall Street, landing jobs at multiple firms. Honestly, oh, sounds... <laughs> to be as successful as a mediocre white man. Yeah, seriously. Just... just- no background, just no show knowledge, up. no skills, just confidence and a fake social. Yeah. Wiggling your way onto <laughs> Wall Street. I'm also currently watching the uh, new Shonda Rhimes sh- show on Netflix, like Making Making Make it, Anna. Inventing or Anna. Inventing it's Anna. so good. It's really good. But this has like Inventing Anna vibes a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. We German- covered that case. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Maybe for a live show, but I know uh, that Didn't we do it, it maybe for identity theft crimes? Or something. I thought we did it for a live show. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We've we've covered Anna Delvey. It's crazy. 
Anyway, apparently inspired by his Wall Street success, he moved to New York City and assumed the name Clark Rockefeller. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) And claimed to be a member of the famed Rockefeller family. This is like, so another Scott anecdote. When we were little, but like old enough to like make reservations at Applebee's for a group. And then our moms would drive us and pick us up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scott would call and 100% of the time say his last name was Rockefeller. (laughs) (laughs) So they'll give you the good booth at Applebee's. (laughs) They were just like, okay. (laughs) We also have three birthdays in the group. (laughs) We're triplets. (laughs) So he was pretty convincing. Of the famed Rockefeller triplets. Of the famed distant Rockefeller. Of the Minnesota Rockefellers. A lot of oil here. The Minnetonka Rockefeller. (laughs) Oh, good God. (laughs) So this guy was pretty convincing. He owned an impressive collection of fine art that folks didn't know were frauds. And he dressed the part and was always seen at the finest private clubs and restaurants. He claimed a philanthropic job in finance, quote, helping third world countries manage their debts, unquote. Oh, wow. God. Uh, oh, and my I, God. I, frankly, have no solid clue how this man was, like, specifically making his money. It was a lot of different things. He seemed to be crushing it by conning his way onto Wall Street, selling fake paintings, leeching off of New York elites. Like, it was a lot of different revenue streams that were all fraudulent. How stressful. I know. He married into a wealthy family in 1995. His uh, wife, Sandra Bass, total girl bass, was a Harvard-educated executive at a management consulting firm, and I have no idea what that is. I swear rich people just make up jobs and make <laughs> millions of dollars. I really don't get it. Apparently. Like most of management consulting is, like, helping companies figure out how to do layoffs. Right. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. like, making their money into more money. Yep. The newlyweds moved to Boston and settled in their multimillion-dollar townhome, which they escaped a few times a year to their quiet estate in Cornish, New Hampshire. Jeez, how did this guy land this Harvard-educated woman? Boss, I mean, literal he's, boss. He's not like a hideous man. There's pictures of him on the drive. He's like decent-looking and allegedly very successful. So right, you know. And you're not doing background checks or Googling people. Because mm-hmm, right. it's the 90s. Google had like just started to become a thing. Oh, no. He has... I do not trust this man's face. No, no. But he looks like a rich son right. of a bitch. Yeah. Right. So, right. you know, they were living They were living like fucking rich people. And mm-hmm. they had a daughter in 2001. And in an untraditional arrangement, Christian slash Christopher slash Clark stayed <laughs> home to raise her while Sandra worked. But the marriage fizzled in 2007 and Sandra filed for divorce, got custody of their daughter and paid her husband an almost million dollar settlement to walk away. So do we think that like it was starting to become apparent at his work that he didn't know what the fuck he was doing and none of it was real? And so he was like, I'll be a stay at home, dad. I bet. I don't know. It's possible. It's very possible. There's a massive Vanity Fair article on this. Mm -hmm. That's like a book. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's real long. Mm hmm. But I got a bunch of my research through there, and 
I like it would have taken me four hours to read through that entire article. Well, I haven't read it and I am speculating. Yeah, no, but (laughs) it's really good. I highly recommend anybody who has some time to take a bath, a bubble bath and read this. It's a it's really well written. So Christian slash Christopher slash Clark was not happy about losing custody of his daughter. And in 2008, during a supervised visitation in Boston, kidnapped the then seven year old child and took off to Baltimore, Maryland. Wikipedia mentioned that he had a getaway driver and he literally ordered the guy to drive as the social worker supervising the visit was clinging to the car. Like it was dramatic. Oh my God. Holy shit. That's the thing about these con men Mm -hmm. is that they are narcissists. Mm-hmm. And they have no boundaries, mm-hmm. and they they will do they will break any Extreme law. Shit, they yeah. will yeah. try to get away with anything because yeah. at this point he hasn't He's been really emboldened. yeah he hasn't mm-hmm. really been punished or caught for. I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. It's like yeah. Donald Trump. It's like he's never had a consequence in his mm-hmm. entire life, so he will try to single handedly end democracy right. and mm-hmm. the American democratic experiment. Because why not? Yeah. Yeah. So this guy takes off to Baltimore where he had established a home and a new identity as Chip Smith, yacht captain. (laughs) What is with the sea names? Does he just have a lot of shit monogrammed? Maybe. I don't know. He really likes those sounds. Jesus. You can't make this shit up. Chip Smith. Smith. Yacht captain. Yacht captain. Captain Ron. Yeah, pretty much. So this is a quote from that Vanity Fair article. Quote, Boston police were entering Rockefeller's name into national databases and finding nothing. (laughs) They contacted his ex-wife, Sandra, to ask her some questions. Can you please give us his driver's license number? An officer asked her. She said he didn't have one. Do you know if Clark has a social security number? No. (laughs) Is he on your tax returns? No. What the fuck? So they filed separately, I guess, which married couples can do that. But his credit cards were on her accounts. His cell phone number was under the name of a friend. Why? Uh, Good. I mean, we know why. Yeah. To each of the investigators' questions about her ex-husband's identification papers, Boss responded in the negative. He didn't have any identification at all, end quote. His web of lies started unfolding as the FBI stepped in and took over this case. Fingerprints revealed his true identity, Christian Carl Gerhard Streiter. <laughs> and releasing his photo brought in calls from all over the country, revealing his long web of lies and assumed identities, including way back in California, where he had previously been questioned as Christopher in the disappearances of John and Linda Sohus. I'm sorry for the Sohuses, but I had already lost the plot and that, forgot yeah. that they had disappeared. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. This is so... There's... There's a lot going so on. So much going on. And like I said, I cut so much stuff because I was like, this will not have a linear plot if I keep it all in. I also do blame that wife for not the, piecing together the fact that It's a willful he, ignorance, he I am all. No identification. <laughs> yeah. Well, super rich people, they just, eh, I, I don't know. know. I could definitely steal Zach's identity. Like, I have all of his info. (laughs) And he doesn't have any of mine. Give me five minutes. I have mine. Mm -hmm. Actually, when you were reading that, I was like, do I have Corey's social (laughs) Does Bill have a driver's license? (laughs) I've never seen it. 
I'm going to I have seen it because he likes to show me the the differences in his insane driver's license photos. So I've seen it. But yeah. But what Chris Chip Clark Christian didn't know. Let's call him Chachi. Chachi. Was that captain. At the home he used to live in in California, the owner Dee Dee had died in 1995 and the property had been sold. And the new owners of the property had broken ground on a pool in the backyard. And as crews were digging, found more than just dirt. Human remains. Six cats. The American dream besides just having a pool is finding... Human remains while you're digging your pool. Yeah, Yeah, that is kind of a dream. Should I get a pool? No. (laughs) At the time, DNA technology was not advanced enough to officially confirm the remains because they were dug up in the mid-90s. But by the early 2000s, it could be made official. The remains belonged to Jonathan Sohus. Only Jonathan Sohus. So Linda... Not there. Still not there. Their disappearance had been featured on Unsolved Mysteries and Vanity Fair recounts the episode saying, quote, in early 1985, according to the program, John and Linda told friends they had landed an important job with the U.S. government satellite program. Although they were sworn to secrecy, Linda let it slip to a friend that they both had to report immediately for duty in New York, but that they would return to San Marino in two weeks to pick up their things. Eight weeks later, since there had not been a word from them, Linda's sister called Didi Sohus for an explanation. Unsolved Mysteries recreated a scene of Dee Dee in a pink house coat with a drink in her hand, grabbing the me, (laughs) grabbing the phone and slurring in a half whisper. John and Linda went to Europe on a top secret mission for the government. Okay, they (laughs) did Dee Dee dirty. I mean, yeah, but Dee Dee was also a mess from what I read. I just didn't want to drag her too much through the mud, but she had a pretty severe drinking problem, and I don't think she really had much of an idea what the fuck was going on. She was taking a lot as Mm -hmm. uh, accepted fact. Yeah. So she told police who had been contacted by Linda's family that she had a, quote, source. This source was giving her updates on her son and daughter-in-law who, except for two postcards, purportedly from Linda and postmarked Paris, France, were never heard from again. Five months after their disappearance, Dee Dee Sohus filed a missing persons report on the couple, suddenly wise to her so-called source. Quote, he's gone too, she told the police, just disappeared. So she realized that the source was Chris, Christian, Christoph. Chachi. Chi Chachi. Yeah, and Captain. it was likely Chachi. <laughs> I mean, it's not even just likely, like, it, this is what happened. He fucking made up this job. Yeah. And tricked. Lured them. Yeah, by phone, tricked them into believing this as a cover story. For what purpose? I mean... Is he luring them and murdering them? Maybe we'll I'm, get to it. I'm not... And we won't, because oh. he does not want to talk. Does but. he just think that, like, Dee Dee is an easy mark, and so he wants to, like, get them out of the way so he can use Dee Dee? I have to I- believe that it was either a fi- some sort of financial gain that he thought he could access, or covering his tracks if they like found him out or some mm-hmm. shit. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. Maybe they it's were suspicious of, of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. Robert Stack of Unsolved Mysteries tells the TV audience, quote, according to Dee, Dee the mysterious contact was none other than her guest house tenant, Christopher Chichester. Uh, you know, that was one of the names he was using. However, he had recently moved, leaving no forwarding address. Eventually he was caught in Baltimore. Cause now that was kind of a flashback. And now we're back to, Mm-hmm. His the, this manhunt for this fucking guy. 
Eventually, he was caught when a real estate agent in Baltimore recognized, quote, Rockefeller's picture on television and called the FBI. The agent said he'd he'd sold someone resembling the man on the wanted poster, a carriage house in Baltimore for $432,000, which he'd which he paid for in cashier's checks. So he basically just paid cash. That's a pretty nice Carriage property house. for that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Well, he's she, a Rockefeller. He's he, well. He's he's Chip Smith, yacht captain. She <laughs> said he'd himself he'd I'd, he'd identified himself as Chip Smith and his daughter as Muffy. Not oh, her name. He loved. The the whole waspy East yeah. Coast. Uh-huh. Yeah. He loved yeah. it. Muffy. 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 Said he was a Ish. single parent and a ship's captain, and he was relocating from Chile. But <laughs> not true. So they fucking got him. While serving time for kidnapping his daughter, Christian slash Christopher slash Clark slash Chip was now charged with the murder yeah, of Jonathan. <laughs> At this point, the evidence... I'm not captain. sick of it yet. It's so <laughs> good. <laughs> It'll never stop being funny. Jeff <laughs> Smith, Teller, yacht, yacht captain. captain. <laughs> At this point, the evidence of his connection to Jonathan's murder was mostly circumstantial, but it was definitely compelling enough for a conviction, including the most compelling evidence of items at the burial site linking Christian to the crime. So they were like possessions of Christian's that were also buried, like, near the remains. I feel like mm. a good enough lawyer could have cast enough doubt Maybe. to make people think it might have been Dee Dee, but, like... Well, and that, they tried Or that. Linda. Yeah, that, or that that's really what they tried. They mm-hmm. tried to put it on Linda, who still hasn't been found. So mm-hmm. the postcards allegedly from Linda from Paris were analyzed, and there were differing opinions on who had written them. The prosecution alleged that Christian had written them himself or had Linda write them under duress. Mm-hmm. So I this forgot is, what our topic was. I know, just right? Now. <laughs> so this is from a blog written by one of the handwriting experts that testified in this case. Her name is Sheila Lowe. And she wrote, quote, as a forensic document examiner, I'm sometimes called for an opinion when handwriting is in the news. Frank Girado or Girado, a reporter for the Pasadena Star, contacted me and asked what I thought of this case. He supplied me with the handwriting known to be Linda's for my examination. At first glance, they appeared quite different. People have different ways of writing, so I asked for and got additional exemplars. I made a direct comparison of letter designs and combinations, punctuation, and specific words and found strong similarities between them. Dateline NBC called and I spent six hours with reporter Mike Taibbi, Taibbi and a film crew at a fancy hotel in Pasadena explaining my opinion. When the episode aired, those six hours translated to about 90 seconds on screen. I feel you, oh, girl. Been there. Showbiz, baby. Yeah, that's showbiz. It's literally what she wrote in her blog. Much later, no. I learned... Hollywood yeah, style. That's showbiz. <laughs> Much later, I learned that Linda's friends and an L.A. County Sheriff's document examiner agreed with me that the handwriting on the postcards was hers. On April 3rd, 2013, I was called to testify in front of a TV camera in the trial of Christian Carl Gerhard Streiter for the murder of Jonathan Sohus. I spent about 10 minutes on the witness stand, a record. The prosecutor had two questions. Quote, it's your opinion that Linda Sohus wrote the postcards? Yes. Do you know how the writing came to be in the postcards? 
on the postcards? No, she said. Mm -hmm. He might have had a gun pointed at her or any number of things. Mm -hmm. The defense's theory of the case, despite all evidence pointing strongly at their client, was that Linda had killed her husband and disappeared. But Gerhard Strider, who never once looked up from his notes while I was testifying, was found guilty and sentenced to 27 years. Mm -hmm. So on August 15th, 2013, Christian Gerhard Streiter, yacht captain, was given the maximum <laughs> sentence of 27 years to life. After he was convicted, he fired his lawyers and represented himself bing, during the sentencing bing, bing. phase. Always a good idea. Fucking the narcissist, mm -hmm. you can't resist it. It's a legit condition. It's straight. It, it is. It's, it's very straight predictable. up. It's <laughs> like you're gonna represent yourself at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He maintained his innocence during the sentencing hearing and said, quote, I want to assert my innocence and that I firmly believe that the victim's wife killed the victim. But be that as it may, once again, I did not commit the crime of which I stand accused. I did, however, defraud lots of people lot and of people. also kidnap my child. Listen, yeah. I may have smoked a bunch of crack. I, <laughs> I didn't have kill anybody. Choked my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. His sentence was reduced on appeal in 2015 from 27 years to life to 26 years to life. Shaved off a year. Oh. He will be eligible for parole in December of 2029 when he will be 68 years old. Too soon. This man could do a lot of damage at 68. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. A parole hearing is currently scheduled for November of 2028. And to this day, Linda has never been found. That's horrifying. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it well, is in my in my opinion, she is dead and they just yeah. haven't found her remains. Yeah. I don't think there's any fucking way. I think it's very likely that he killed Jonathan first and kept her alive to keep the ruse, to write the letters and keep the ruse going. And then a little while. Yeah. And then and something it, happened and then he only got two postcards. Yep. Done. And it's not like she needed to go to Paris. You just no. have to write it. You could even well, yeah, forward them to someone in Paris and have them sent back here. It's pretty like, much. I mean, or it could be or he got a fake things. social security number, social security card. He could get he could get a fake stamp from a different yeah. country. Or, you know, mm -hmm. he could have gotten Linda a fake passport or she was. Unfortunately, she wrote. I think she wrote the letters in the States under duress, under duress, and then was. Murder. unfortunately killed and then i think either he went to paris or because you know he had a fucking passports and he's european know, he's european he's a so rockefeller he's, he's a little <laughs> rockefeller yacht captain mm -hmm. so i think he went over there for a little while to get the heat off of him sent mm -hmm. the letters came back and established himself on the east coast that's personally what mm -hmm. i think happened that makes sense but yikes yeah Poor Linda. Isn't that wild? It's, Read it's that. So the, sad. The, the links, obviously, for our sources are always on our website. But like when you get time for a glass of wine and a nice long read, read that Vanity Fair article. It's bonkers. It's so well written mm -hmm. and very detailed. So it can go, go over all the things that I could not include. But yeah, cool. but that's my case. Well done. Nice work. So crazy. Uh, All right. This is such a good episode. Yeah, uh, I know. I love this episode. Love it, love it, love it. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you to our fan picker, Anonymous. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And remember the Yavapai Humane Trappers and Trackers. Mm -hmm. Follow them on Facebook. They yeah. post some cute shit. Check out love their it. website. We all want to reunite pets. Loved pets. And their owners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. 
We will mm. see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!